Hello and welcome to another episode of Daily Feasting. On the words of Christ, Alma here. It is a brand new day, a fantastic new day. I am excited. <laughs> and, you know, i got family in town for Thanksgiving and it's awesome. Get a brand new haircut and I'm loving it. And, I mean... I love my job. I get to work with little kiddos. I love it. I, you know, the scriptures are always great to read. Always starts my day off right. And um, today I was actually in Mosiah chapter 23. In this chapter, we start um, going to the story of Alma and his people that fled from King Noah. And what happened to them after they fled. And actually, they did pretty good for a while. Like, they were super righteous. They didn't have a king. They just consecrated judges that were good men. And they were doing real good. Well, that was until the armies of the Lamanites came into their land. This happens to be the same army that tried chasing after King Lamai's people and got lost. And, oh, yeah, they found someone else along the way. The priests of King Noah. So you've got the priests of King Noah and the Lamanites lost in the wilderness, and they end up finding Alma and his people and putting them in bondage. And in the chapter, it talks about how the Lord chasteneth his people. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, maybe some people would read that and think, if God truly loves his people... And has compassion on them and heals them and saves them from bondage. Why would he put them in bondage? Right? The way that the scriptures read it, it sounds like God led the Lamanites to the Alma's people. Um, and you know that God made that happen. Especially since and, like, especially, I can see that being super confusing to someone, especially since Alma's people were super righteous, right? Um, like, he just saw King, you just read about King Limhi escaping, so why on earth are these good people who are following God, you know, why are they in bondage? Um, you know, and so I can see how to someone it could be really confusing to read that and be like, well, how could God be a loving God? Because how is, like, putting people in bondage loving, right? Bondage usually is not uh, an act of love, at least as far as I'm aware. And so I was trying to think about it to see, you know, how would I answer someone you know, how would I answer my own question? You know, if I say I choose to believe in a loving God, and yet in the scriptures there's instances where he allows or puts people, like where it sounds like he puts people into bondage, even though they're righteous, like, how can God be who he is that he says he is if he does that? And so in trying to think about it, one... Maybe it's not that he, he put them in bondage. He just, he knew the Lamanites were in the forest. He knew Alma and his people were in the forest. And he, like, I know they're going to cross paths. I'm going to allow it to happen. 
know, maybe he just allowed it to happen. He didn't really have a hand in leading the Lamanites. It just, how circumstances ended up. But then someone would be like, well, if he loved Alma and his people, wouldn't he have warned them that the Lamanites were coming? Or wouldn't he have done something else? Wouldn't he have like softened the Lamanites' hearts to not put them in bondage? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. But again, God doesn't... He didn't do that. And he didn't take away the Lamanites' agency like they still chose. And... You know, the other thing I, I kept thinking about was God knows the bigger picture. And he's more concerned with our eternal progress than he is about our current comfort. Does he want us to be happy currently? Yes. However, his biggest priority is our eternal progression. And sometimes that means we have to be in uncomfortable times and places. We have to be in uncomfortable situations. Um... And, yeah, I mean, it must have been good for Alma and his people's eternal progression to have this experience. And it says in the scriptures to try their faith, you know, to give them an opportunity to exercise their faith. And... The other thing I I recently just thought about too was if that experience had not happened, you know, because what happens after this is that Alma and his people escape the land of Nephi and go into Zarahemla. If Alma's people had never been in bondage, they probably never would have gone to Zarahemla. So now all the people are together. Right, and you wouldn't have Alma's son meet the sons of King Mosiah and become friends and fantastic missionaries. Right, you wouldn't have that experience. Right, so God, God sees the bigger picture. He sees what's coming down the road. And so maybe he thought it was okay to allow the Lamanites to put Alma's people into bondage because he knew eventually he would lead Alma and his people to Zarahemla. But I guess you could also say, well, if God wanted them in Zarahemla, couldn't he have just told Alma that they needed to move to Zarahemla? Like, he told Lehi to leave Jerusalem? Fair. That is fair. He could have done that. So why did he do that? It it really... the Like... All I got is what the scriptures tell me. Right? That is all I got. Right? Um, and what it says is he trieth their patience and their faith. So it, it God must have thought that allowing this to happen would help them increase their faith and their patience so that they could gain eternal life. So that they could become their best selves, to become the people that God knew that they could be. Right? 
And I guess this experience was going to help them do that. Depending on how they chose to react to it. You know? And so maybe sometimes that's why God allows awful things to happen in our lives. Even when we're doing our absolute best. We, God is trying our faith and our patience so that we might be able to gain eternal life too. And like, that's just a, that's what I got. And that's just a thought. And is it super easy? No. It's not. It, it It's not easy. It's like... It's hard. That's what it is. It's hard. But I guess, like... It's for our best, right? God. And also, I was thinking about, like, sometimes the way that we define love is not the same that God does, right? I wonder if sometimes we think love is someone should give us everything that we want and make us completely comfortable and doesn't get out of our comfort zone. Just makes us happy all the time. Whereas I wonder if God's version of love is, I'm going to help you to become your best self. I love you. I want you to be happy. But I also want you to progress. Right? I want to help you achieve your goals. And if your goal is to make it a celestial kingdom, like almost people, that's what their goal was, I'm pretty sure. Well then, it's going to require some tough experiences. And so... God's like, I love you enough to allow this to happen so that you can achieve your goal. So that you can become your best self, so that you can achieve the celestial kingdom. And that that's a completely different kind of love. And a completely different kind of trust. And so maybe, you know, people, maybe we don't quite understand what love means to God. You know, maybe our definitions of love is different than God's sometimes. You know? And I think that this chapter is helping us to see that that's the case. God's definition of love may be different than ours. That he loves us enough. It's like that um, one video of the current bush, you know? Like the a video made by the church where it talks about one of the talks and it says farmer that cuts down a current bush. And it's like God loves us enough to cut us down so that we can become our best selves, right? So that we can produce a lot of fruit, have great results. And so maybe that's what he was doing with Alma's people. Cutting them down so that they could become their best selves. You know? So maybe that's what trials are doing 
like maybe that's why he's allowing Charles in your life and in my life is he's cutting us down so that we can become our best selves you know God loves us enough to do that because he knows that our goal is to become like him to live in the celestial kingdom and he knows that this is gonna that trial is gonna help us get there right so that's kind of my thoughts for my book of mormon chapter and then thoughts from my bible chapter luke chapter 10 this is the chapter um that includes the parable of the good samaritan And I didn't realize that it was a lawyer who asked him a question. And um, was like, you know, what do I need to do to gain eternal life? And Jesus asks him, well, what is written? And he says, the two greatest commandments, love God and love your neighbor. And Jesus is like, you're correct. And then the lawyer is like, well, who's my neighbor? It's a lawyer. So, like, if lawyers are very particular about words and defining words. And so, how does Jesus answer? With a parable. It's awesome. (laughs) It is awesome. Um, But, let's see. There is... I thought I had something in my notes where there I had more information about this parable that was super cool. Oh yeah, here we go. So in my notes, I have a little bit more insight into this parable that I think is super cool. Um. And, um, it's like a, I think with parables, what's cool about them is that you can gain a lot of insight from them. Like there's not one thing that you can gain from them. So in the, in the Bible, it talks about how the Samaritan is the neighbor to the man who was, fell among thieves, right? Because he showed mercy, in in my notes here, um, there was like a sacrament talk of someone who was talking about the Good Samaritan and his thoughts on the parable and what it can mean. So if you remember in the story, this certain man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And Jerusalem is highest in elevation and Jericho is near the Dead Sea, lowest in elevation. And the road between Jerusalem and Jericho is the most dangerous or was it Jericho to Jerusalem? Hold on a second. I'm going to go back and do some research. Um, okay, Jerusalem to Jericho. Right. And that road is the most dangerous road. It's actually known as the road of blood. And, and so this man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho down elevation on a very dangerous road. And so the the speaker was talking about how that man is each of us here in this mortal life. We've gone from a high place 
down to a low place and it's very dangerous, right? Our, our progression here on earth is dangerous and we're going to fall among sin and temptation and evil people and we're going to get hurt. You know, and all those people that pass by us, um, people who claim to be good and righteous and upright, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that think of us as a lost cause. You know, we could even think of ourselves as a lost cause due to whatever it is we've done in our lives. But the Good Samaritan, he was a man whom the Jews despised because Jews despised Samaritans. They did not like each other. And I don't remember the reason why. They just don't. Um, And the talk, like the person who's giving the talk said the Samaritan can be like Christ because the Samaritans were despised just as he was. And he showed kindness to the man. He healed his wounds. He took care of him. He put him in an inn, just like Christ does for us, right? Jesus finds us in our lowest moments, in moments where we think that we are too far gone, that we are lost, and he comes and he saves us. And he puts us with good people, like the innkeeper. And the innkeeper is also us when we come across people who are going through some rough times. And the inn is the house of God. Right? So church or whatever it is. And that sometimes Christ leads broken people to us and sometimes we're broken people that God leads to good people. And you know just We're taken care of by Christ completely. He pays the debt, right? He pays the innkeeper in full. And he cares about our well-being, right? So this, this, this parable helps to see that, yeah, God does love us. Yeah, we fell among thieves. We were on a dangerous road. We were doing things we shouldn't have been doing. And yet he still comes to save us. And he pays our whole debt to the innkeeper, right? To us, you know, the the time and effort we give in helping other people, Christ pays that debt too. He pays us. Not that that's important, but, right, that Christ pays the whole debt. And I think, I think that's super cool. I think that's such a cool way to think of the Good Samaritan parable. Um, And so... That's all the thoughts I have on it, because that's all the notes I have written down. I don't have the person's talk written in full. These are just all the notes I could grab, but I think it's super cool to think about it that way, to think of it that the Good Samaritan is Christ, and he is on this road, and he comes, and he saves us, and he pays our debt, and we're here to help take care of each other, right, in God's house help each other on this journey through life and um, yeah you know because life is hard and I think all of us need more mercy and less judgment you know I am too quick to give judgment and not quick enough to give mercy and Christ was the other way around 
He was quick to give mercy and slow to give judgment. But yeah, um, thought that was super cool. Gonna leave that with you with your thoughts. Um, and thank you for listening to my podcast. You know, I it was cool revisiting my notes on the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan and like the different way of thinking about it because I'd forgotten about it until this moment as I was recording. I'm like, I think I have notes on this. And so I looked them up and so it's cool to revisit those. So thank you for giving me that opportunity and I hope that you have a fantastic day. Uh, remember that God loves you, right? Because he sent Christ. That's the ultimate expression of God's love right there is Jesus Christ. And remember that you are amazing. You are worth it because God sent Christ for you. And I will talk to you later.